I am not the pastor here. Jeff Bianchi is, and he's in Texas with his mom and dad this morning. And uh, uh, he told me yesterday that his folks are doing better than they've done in several months. So, really good. They've had some challenges. His father had some, uh, some serious physical problems, and they're a little bit older. And so, he was delighted that it's, uh, it's a sweet time with his, his mom and his dad and his sister. And uh, so, I'm Mark, and that's my wife, Susan, and my daughter, Grace. We've got three others. They're in college in various locations. And people, uh, because we're new this year, people all the time are asking, how are you doing? And uh, the sound goes up and down on me. And, uh, and I say, the cold doesn't bother me anyway. <laughs> we like it here. Enjoy it. Enjoy the snow. Enjoy every part of... Uh, even, I, I, I'm bragging, I'm sending an email out, and uh, if you laugh too much, I'm going to make you come to the front. <laughs> I can harass Lauren. Anyway, um, uh, I wrote an email out and said, we still have icebergs across the street and the lakes are frozen in different places. And I just knew that would impress somebody. And, uh, but uh, they told me, my next door neighbor told me we're like three degrees uh, uh, three standard deviations off of uh, below normal and cold. This is like a 100-year event, the, the, how cold it's been this winter. So you were there. That's telling back. You survived the winter of 13, 14, and loved every minute of it. Yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right. Okay, we are in a series this morning. Uh, where we are doing the Jesus way. And it's John 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. And uh, this, every one of these chapters is profound. Jesus is in the upper room with these guys. They're having a meal. He's talking about his death. And he's saying some of the deepest, most intense things that he said in his entire relationship with them. They've been with him for three years. And we've taken a theme from each one of these chapters. And, and today... I'm going to talk about one that gets you jumping up and down and shouting. Obedience. The Jesus way is obedience. Now this is, this is uh, unfortunately not a thriller for many people. Because it, uh, we have a perception of obedience, obedience that uh, is, is mixed. It's not something that sounds like fun. But Jesus said, if you love me, in John 14... In the 15th verse, you will obey what I command. And so, <clears throat> it's not just a command that he's, he's putting on top of us, but he's, it's something that he gave as an example from his very own life. Because he obeyed the Father. He lived and imitated the Father in everything that he did. He spoke to the Father in John 17, 4 and said, I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And he said this, it's interesting. Jesus gave them this answer. He's in a conversation with some people. And he said, truly, truly, I tell you, the son could do nothing by himself. John 5, 19. He can do only what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, he will show him even greater works than these so that you will be amazed. So he said, I only do 
what I see the Father doing. I'm only saying what I hear the Father saying. He spent time at night. He said he, he went away. He got up early in the morning. He went to desert places. And while he was there, he was gazing at his Father. He was looking and reflecting on the character of his Father. And he would tell him to do things. He would see something that the Father was doing. Part of the Father's plan. And that's how he lived his life. So I want to back up just a little bit. Give us a context for obedience. And ask you, what is the greatest commandment? To love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our mind, all our soul, and all our strength. The second one is to love our neighbors as ourselves. Now, Jesus said this. This is the best thing we can do. It's to love God. Anybody want to, you know, we're all in agreement on that? Feeling okay about that so far? Want to love God with everything in us? Strength, all our mind, all our soul, everything we've got. We want to love Jesus. I, I think most of you are here today because that's what you want to do. You know, I don't think many of you, go ahead and lift up your hand and say, they dragged me here, I didn't want to come. Yeah. I see that hand. Okay. No, you're here because you, you're just saying, yes, I want this. I want to know how to love God. And Jesus told us how to do that. He said, if you love me, you'll obey me. Now, uh, he was quoting from a passage in Deuteronomy 6. If you've got a Bible, this is not going to go up behind you. So I'm going to tell you what he's referencing. The most famous quote in Judaism. Hero Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments I give you today are to be upon your heart. So, love God with all your heart, all your strength. And then he says a couple of interesting things. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. When you lie down and when you get up. So I'm in uh, Deuteronomy 6. Four, five, six, seven. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on your door frames of your houses and on your gates. So this this loving, this obeying God, this connection, and it's an interesting thing. I want to uh, I want you to struggle with this. But Jesus ties love and obedience together. He's he's not, you can't pull these apart. Somehow, we have to grapple with the fact that obedience and love are tied together. Then, love, we think, is a soft, warm, mm, comforting thing. And obedience feels like soldier. You know, I'm just getting told what to do. I've got to, I've got to do it. I don't want to do it, but I've got to do it. So, if, if we can't tie those things together, then we can't walk in real intimacy with Jesus. He's saying love and obedience are tied together. And here, God is speaking in his word, and he said, I'm, the first thing you do is to teach your children these things. What you receive from me, you're to give to others, and you're to do it everywhere you go. You're to love me and obey me everywhere you go. And you're to put this... 
uh, my scripture, my word, on the back of your hand and on your forehead. So who sees the back of your hand? You do. And who sees your forehead? Others. Everybody that you come in contact with. So we're getting tattoos this next week. <laughs> but uh, uh, and on your the doorpost in your house, the people that see the doorpost in your house is your family, the people that are close to you, and the people that see on your gates is anybody that that comes by you. So this love is pervasive. This obedience is pervasive. Every go, where we go, we're loving and obeying. Now. We're going to jump into the complications of obedience a little bit here. What, what obedience is not? It's interesting, I've taught on this in a couple of situations in the last few months. And I hit a wall because people felt like, you know, I'm talking about how we can obey the Lord. And what they heard was how I'm to try, obedience is getting someone else to do something by force. Or the things in my life that have been forced upon me. Obey. There's that song that like my children listen to when they were little. The Donut Man. Any Donut Man people out here? Okay. O B E Y. Obey your mom and dad. O B E Y. It make them very glad. Or you can switch that last verse. O B E Y, obey your mom and dad. O B E Y, or the one you wish you had. <laughs> That's kind of what we think obedience is about. It's like, you will do this. You're not getting up from the table for three days if you don't eat the spinach. <laughs> or you've been given something. You're, you're, you're the unlucky person. You drew the short straw. You've got to make everybody, you know. You get to be the one who tells everybody in your house that they've got to clean up. You got to force everybody to obey the rules of who's who's left, who's the last person that left something in the sink. And that fun obedience. That's what not what we're talking about today. I'm talking to people who say, "I want to know and do the will of God." It's it's not about you forcing someone else to do something they don't want to do. It's not about someone else forcing you to do something. I'm talking about us individually right now. As, it's, as I'm talking about this, think about yourself. Don't think about this person I've been trying to see change and they never change. Or this issue in my life that I never can get over. I just feel like it's pressure and condemnation. No. Just, we're going to clear the decks and say, Jesus, I am one. I love you and I want to obey you. I'm going to risk asking you to repeat that after me. So if you don't want to say this, you don't have to. But if you'd like to, say, Jesus, I love you and I want to obey you. One, two, three. Jesus, I love you and I want to obey you. So, we're not talking about being forced. We're not talking about uh, obedience means you never sin or fall again. It's not talking about perfection. Or accomplishing some fantastic goal. The will of God for you is to climb Mount Everest. And if you don't make it, you're going to hell. It's, that's kind of what's in people's heads. This impossible thing that's been put out in front of us. And we're just, we don't know if we're going to make it. We don't know what's going on. You've got to go from zero to a hundred. You've got to make this thing happen. 
So what does it mean to obey? It's about understanding that obedience is all about learning to follow the God who loves you and understands you. You ought to follow Him. It's just taking steps in the right direction. You know, when we have teaching sometimes, uh, I, we, we have application time, you know, what can we do, how can we obey, how can we apply this, this passion of Scripture? And all you have to do is just fall in that direction. Will you lean toward this? And sometimes in our lives, that's all we are able to do. You know, we do find hard spots. We just need to say, I want to, Lord. And uh, obedience is quickly and joyfully responding. Okay, no, this is the ideal. I'm going to set something a little bit higher up here. This is, I said about the leaning part. Now I'm saying, what is, what is full obedience? It's joyfully and quickly responding to the complete, uh, specific thing that God has said in that moment. You just... You're delighted. It's confidence in his character that we want to be like him and act like him. And obedience is knowing the right thing to do and being able to do it. Does that sound good? Like, this is some things that I want, I really want to do. And I can tell you, we can get there. God knows how to get you there. Now, I've got an example of obedience today. Uh... Ron and NK, could y'all come on up here? I wanted to show you a loving father and an obedient child. So they're gonna they're gonna show you a picture of, of the affection that happens between father and daughter. I'm Ron here. This is my eldest of three lovely daughters. Her name is Annie Kate. She's super special. She is funny and she gets real good hugs. So, Annie, will you go get mommy a big Stand up right here just a second. I want them to look at you. So, this, this is obedience. A loving father and a child that enjoys pleasing their father. So, awesome. Thank you so much, Amy. Now, do we, do we believe that God really has our best in mind? And that his heart toward us is, is pure, just like that. That's no, even greater than that. Far beyond that. 
what Ron feels for his daughter. Now, sometimes in life we do get stuck and we don't obey. Okay? We find places where we, we hit a bump. And I was uh, watching a movie a couple of nights ago with my family, and I think it tells a really fantastic picture of some of the places that we hit. It's called Saving Mr. Banks. Who's watched Saving Mr. Banks in here? Handful of them. So this is the back story behind Mary Poppins' movie that Walt Disney put together. And Jail Travers is the author of the book, and uh, she is... It's like 1961, I think, and for 20 years, Walt Disney has been trying to get the rights to her book to make a movie, because his children love the story of Mary Poppins. And finally, what happens is she's about to go bankrupt. She's losing, uh, she's lost all of the, the money that she's earned over the years, and so her back's against the wall, and the only way she's gonna be able to make money is finally to agree with Walt Disney to sell the rights to her book. So it flies her over to California in Los Angeles. She's a Brit, a very respectable, very proper British woman. And actually she's Australian, but we kind of get into this story later on as we get into it. And, uh, but she's coming from, from England. And she uh, wants to control the story. She wants to have an accurate picture told of this story. And Walt Disney doesn't realize that this story is about her. And you get this constant back and forth uh, picture of her struggling with the story and then her as a little girl growing up in Australia in, uh, in uh, what is it, like the, the 20s or the 30s, something like that. And uh, uh, so the, the picture... And, and so all the people that are working with her in the movie theater, not theater, in the corporation at Disney are struggling with her because she is just difficult. She's going through all these different things and said, no, the story's not that way. No, this character's not like that. And alongside of this, you see her as a child and her father being this wonderful person who can imagine and play with her. And they're, they're, they end up moving way out in the middle of nowhere in Australia. And every step that her father takes is more and more stressful for her mother. So it's this adventure they're going on. But, and, and the dad's always like, yay, we're going to the middle of nowhere, it's going to be so much fun. Oh yay, you get to share a bedroom with your sister now. And, uh, and, and he just he teaches his daughter, you know, we can imagine something else out there. But the problem is that all along in the story, their father's an alcoholic. And he's losing control of his life. And his wife is getting more and more stressed out. And she is trying to put these two pictures together in her mind. My daddy, who is wonderful, and my daddy, who's lost his job at the bank. My daddy, who got drunk and fell off the stage at the public event. My daddy, who's so stressing my mama out that she's wanting to commit suicide. And go back and forth with this whole process. And what she's doing is she's saying, but my daddy's wonderful, but my daddy has a failure. He's not doing it, he can't do it right. 
And in our, in our lives, what she eventually does is she writes the story of Mary Poppins. And it's the story of the person that came in and made everything better. Everything that needed to be changed and fixed, she made it all better. And now she's later on in life, and she's reliving this story as they're trying to put a movie together. And she's in a fantastic crisis because she can't make the pieces fit. She can't get everybody to be happy and yet full of, uh, get the full extent of the characters in this story. So we're like that at times. A struggle happens. Something that just doesn't connect can happen in our lives. And we're saying, how can God's character be like this when these circumstances in my life are like this? And it pulls us away from being able to do what we... It puts us in a place where we feel obedience, moving close and intimate in that relationship means I'm going to be hurt again. I am gullible and just going to give myself vulnerably to be hurt so what, is, what does she need to do? In the movie, if, you know, if we put the Christ figure in there, Walt Disney comes in and says, we're going to help save Daddy. We're going to make it all better. And finally, she lets go of her Daddy and puts her Daddy in Walt Disney's hands. And he makes the story ends where daddy's better and he's happy and he's not all stressed out about money and he's not confused what happens with her and what happens with us is that we don't understand the grace of God we're afraid of being taken advantage of and you know people that are important in our lives make mistakes and so we have to come back to the one who is perfect and realize that Jesus can do what he was quoted in Ezekiel. I've got one more passage I want to put up in front of you. Not at the end of my message, but I just have one more passage for the soul here. Jesus can actually take us where we're at and he can take this heart of stone out of our lives from emotional hurt from confusion, from fear. And he can put in a heart that is made of flesh, a heart that wants to obey. And that's what the grace of God is. The grace of God, in the middle of wherever we're at, is the desire and the ability to do the will of God. It's both of those things. Let me say that again. The grace of God is that gift of the desire and the ability to do the will of God. He puts the want to in you. And he gives you the power to do it. So when we come to this place of obedience and we feel stuck, you need to say, I want to want to. 
I don't know how to want to right now, but I want to want to. I don't know how, I can't change my heart. I, I can't get in there and change the emotions. I can't get in there and change the memories. But I want you to put desire in me to do your will. And when we give ourselves to him, and we say, now give me your power to obey you. That is the grace of God. That's how Jesus obeyed his father. He fully gave himself to the will of his father. Even to the point of dying on a cross. Because he understood that it was about loving this entire world. It was not an abusive act. It was an act of great love. Everything Jesus did, from raising Lazarus from the dead, that was what he saw the Father doing, bringing life to people. Honoring his mother and father when he was a 12-year-old. You see that picture? He honored his parents. Now, he honored his heavenly father even more. He stayed in the temple after they went home. <laughs> and he said, didn't you know I had to be about... Uh, my father's business. I had to be in my father's house. And then the next few sentences said, and he honored his parents. He did that because he saw that in the heart of God. He cast out demons. He healed people because he, he was a reflection of the heart of the Father. Jesus said, everything you see me doing is what the Father is doing. He was living now, that on the earth. Now, how do we obey? First thing we need to do is get a picture of God's character. Every, every counseling issue that I've struggled with in my own life has been something where I've not clearly understood the character of God. Every place of brokenness where I have a repetitive pattern of sin in my life, it's because I did not clearly see the character of God. I did not believe that He really knew me. He really understood what was going on in my life. I felt like I was playing some kind of a game where He was holding a carrot out just too farther than I could grasp and kind of taunting and teasing me. Instead of saying what Jesus said in Luke chapter 11, the Father loves to give you the Holy Spirit. He's not someone that's, you ask for an egg and he gives you a snake. You ask for a gift and he gives you something else. He loves to give you these things. So we obey by seeing his character. We obey by asking for grace. Put the want to in me. Give me the strength to, to do this, Lord. Take my heart. Take my hands. Take my ears. Take my eyes. Take my feet. And let them be fully given, Lord, to thee. Just everything. Take my fingernails. Take my eyelashes. You know, just get into prayer and you're just thinking of things. Jesus, I give you everything that I am. Now, I want you to stand up with me right now. And I, I want you to get in groups like three and four. It's going to be a little complicated. Now you've got to move around a little bit. Try to just turn in your chair so you don't have to go across the room. So look, see, 
Try to three or four. Go ahead. Find someone near you. And I'll explain what you're going to do. And I want to... I'm going to give you some examples. And then what we want to do is say, what are some simple things that I can do to obey? Jesus said, love God, love your neighbors. Now, loving your neighbors, I found one time this, this winter, did not mean shovel their sidewalk. Because they said, hey, 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 all set, all set. I said, oh, yeah. <laughs> Don't mean to love my neighbor today. Sorry about that. <laughs> so, but we have, but I struggle with, how can I love my neighbors? They don't want me to get involved in their lives. You know, I just thought I was being a nice guy. And, but what I want, just a couple of you to do, is to say, what can I do to obey? What's a small thing that I can do to obey? If you don't want to participate, you can just be quiet right now, okay? Some of you are going like, how did I get into this building? And, uh, but, but we're, what, I'm, what I want you to see is this is simple. It's not complicated. How can we obey sometime this week loving God and loving our neighbors? Okay? Talk amongst yourselves. And I'll pull, pull you together. Like three or four minutes.
One more minute. Okay, we're going to pull it back together. And I want to hear a few examples. So there are... Uh... Let me get four people to stand up that will tell me some simple point of obedience that someone talked about in their group or from their own life. So, hey, Mo, go. Drill down, point this Including God in everything that I do, um, I like a big 
workaholic kind of person. Like I'm, I'm into like my career a lot, and sometimes I don't. Sometimes I think that my career, what I'm doing in Time for God, is something separate. When I need to remember, or that we all remember, is that He's involved in everything that we do, um, and it's just something that I really struggle with. That I think that if I put that into my life and remember that, you know, no matter what I'm writing or what I'm working on. Like God is there with me at every touch of the hand. Loving God is recognizing His presence everywhere as we go. My point here in doing all this is really to just say obedience is not, you know, don't kill people, don't lie, don't commit adultery. You know, it's not just Ten Commands. It's, it's not all the rules you can come up with. They're simple places in prayer. Where we're looking for a response to God in faith, with confidence in His character. We're going to have the worship team come up right now, and I want us to, to respond in a couple of different ways this morning. This is Jesus. What He did was obey His Father, and for people that have, maybe you identified most with the message with talking about the, the conflict. Of T.L. Travers, of the, this writer of Mary Poppins. And you're saying, my, my response of obedience today is going to be, I want to come toward him. I want him to touch me. I want him to, to bring healing into my life in a new way. The way we're going to do that is I've asked a few of the couples to come up to the front, or actually just to be over on the side. Not sure all who made it here today. Guys, jump up. Elsa's. Let me see. Some of the prayer teams. Join them. Last week. So, I'm gonna, we're going to do a few different things here. The first one is, is this. Allow people that say, I want to, I want prayer because I want to come closer to God. I want to come closer to Jesus, but I need Him to touch me in a profound way. I, there's some things that have been blocking me. So let me all stand up together also. So for those of you in that situation, you can begin right now. Just kind of going out to any one of these prayer teams. Or when you feel appropriate, waiting in a minute. You, you can go now. Next thing I want to do is, if you know specifically that you're holding back from a place of obedience, I want you to kneel down where you are and just say, I give you my fingernails, I give you my hands, I give you my mind. Just say, I, I give you myself, Lord. Find, find a place of obedience through submission today. And then the last point is, for response, for some of you who want to act on the word, is to find someone that you can be accountable to in this room. Say, this is a place of obedience in my life that I want to live out. And you can turn to anyone, the person next to you, and say that, and say, pray for me. I want to obey the Lord. It's something that I feel like there's a place that I'm supposed to respond to Him. And we're following, we want to be like Jesus. We want to follow the Jesus way, and that means obedience. So... Respond to him in any of those ways, and we're going to worship also.